Uh, that doesn't mean we've started, but my mate Marco says to just start recording from as soon as possible. And he's yeah, no wrong. worries. <laughs> Yeah, four days in four games in seven nights just never happens in the WNBL. I feel. Yeah, it was pretty madness. At least yeah. three of them were at home, so there wasn't as much travel, but it was still crazy. Yeah, I was looking at your uh, fixture overall, and your away games were really front loaded. Like at the start of the season, like you, it's yeah. Kinda, it's, I don't know. What would you prefer? Like home games at the start, or home games at the end, or it doesn't matter really. Um, I think it doesn't matter. I think it's good for fans to like kind of have them spread out throughout. Yeah. But um, like obviously having three games in one week for fans also makes it hard to get to mm, all three true. games. Um, but like with the Kings game, we had 5,000 people at our game, which was mm. awesome on Sunday. And then we're definitely building. We've got more members um, than we've had in a very long time this season. So you know, I think we're playing an exciting brand of basketball that the fans are getting around. Mm. Um, but in terms of how I would like it, I definitely like it a little bit more spread out um, just with the travel. I mean, we've gone to Perth twice. Mm, um, yeah, it's just the schedule. I, it hasn't been ideal for anyone. Um, and I shouldn't complain because I have the best job in the world. But it does. It's not The schedule is not always conducive to great basketball, I mm. think. True, true. Yeah, I guess Melbourne have a, have all their home games in either December or Jan this year. And it's pretty compact. And like, as someone that wanted to get into a flow of covering the games, I guess it was good for me. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're on the road heaps and they're home for a while and then they're going to be on the road for the rest of the season after Wednesday. But yeah, I yeah guess as, as someone that just it's sits also, and watches. Sorry. Yeah, I've also played in Melbourne, obviously, for most of my career. So just even, like, not having three teams in Victoria with the travels, um, heaps different. Like, it's mm. a massive advantage being one of those Victorian teams um, because you don't have to, tra- like, get on a plane every other week. Yeah. Yeah, like, Perth, Perth has to cross the coast, like, every away game other than Adelaide. I remember there... The first game in Melbourne this year, they, I don't know if this is common for them, uh, but they flew in and flew out like right before the game and right after. Like surely your body, yeah, yeah. They arrived from the airport and then flew, like they went straight back to the airport and then flew back that night. That's crazy. It's crazy. They would have like passed out that night. As a play, like it's always good to get back home. So like the first Mm. flight out, I love that, but definitely like to get there at least one night before to settle in. Mm. Yeah, they ended up winning anyway. Yeah, uh, they had a really good start to the season. Yeah, they've been they've been dipping off since. Uh, I guess that might be a good place to start it. Welcome back yeah. to the W. Uh, sorry, listeners, it's been six weeks since you've had this show specifically, but you've had you know all the other great shows, me and Marco, Sean, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, today's really exciting though. Bring in the new year. Uh, with Australian Opals captain Tess Madgen. Tess, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we were just talking about your round. Oh no, sorry, we were just talking about the slipping Perth links. But your uh, 
round 12. You had near identical scores in both of those games. Um, but before we get to those games, you're finally in the top four uh, on Monday. And so, yeah, how does it feel uh, to like be in the top four rather than the outside looking in? It definitely feels good, but we have a massive game coming up this weekend against Southside. So I don't think anyone's really paid too much attention to where we are on the ladder for the whole season, really. Um, we just wanted to stick around 500 and we knew that um, once we were all healthy out on the court together, that everything would come together. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, the top four doesn't mean much if we can't get this win um, on Thursday night against Southside, I think. If we're able to do that, being in the top four will feel a lot better. Mm. Um, and in round 12, you beat the Lightning 88-65 and then the Capitals 90-65, but they both were completely different games. Uh, but what would you say was key in both of those wins? I think our defence is really coming together. We look super solid at that end of the floor. Um, you know, we play pretty aggressive on-ball defence, which is different to most of the teams in the league, most of the teams either ice, um, like force people away from using the on-ball screen, or they do a drop. Um, and we obviously are not dropping any secrets here. Um, every, everyone that scouts us knows we like to hard hedge um, and we switch a fair bit. So um, I think those two things are coming together really well at the defensive end. And we've got, you know, Dee Richards um, defending the force who's so active with her hands, picks up a lot of deflections. Obviously, Kayla George does as well. So... I think it really started really with our defensive end and then um, we're able to get into a really nice flow on offence. And in both games, you saw we had multiple players, you know, five or six players each game in double figures. Um, and I feel like that definitely, that energy kind of flows into our um, offence and we're super aggressive. We cut really hard, we pass the ball well. Um, and when we're all in that kind of mindset, I think we're a really hard team to beat. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, we could see that last round and even round 11 as well. Um, I would say, yeah, the, the D has been really strong and you've been really cohesive. And offensively, I think the difference I've seen in the last few rounds and last few games as compared to the start of the season is like, if an action isn't going, you'll just go away from it. Like, I feel like there was a bit of forcing the issue. You might lose, you know, two seconds, which ends up being potentially two good looks. Um and yeah, like like I can imagine so many times Kayla having it at the top of the key, something's not going one side, like just turn around mm -hmm. straight away, hand off, pass to someone, pass to you or Didi on the wing. Um, and <clears throat> I think this is the product that like your team was capable of all season. So it is nice to finally see it coming together. Is it nice to feel it finally coming together? Yeah, 100%. That game, that Canberra game was one of the funnest games I've played in a really long time. So I've said that multiple times, but it was just super fun to see everyone um, playing super great at both ends of the floor. And I think, you know, it is a whole new team. There's a couple of core players returning from last year to the Sydney Flames, but for the most part, um, the whole starting five have never played together. Um, and so it was always going to take some time. And then obviously I've had a very disrupted season with the injury. Um, we didn't have, we haven't had Janice Swain yet playing. So mm. Um, you know, take out two marquee or I guess what two of the better players out of any other team and they're going to struggle to win. So mm. we did a really, really awesome job for a very long part of that um, stint being injury disrupted and we've picked up enough wins to um, really have a shot at the playoffs. Mm. And uh, would you say it is that health and the D that's been the difference over the past couple of weeks or is there 
yeah, are there any other contributing factors? I think just the time that we've had to um, gel together on and off the court. Um, Guy put in a couple of different things, like what you said about moving the ball from one side to the other quickly. We always wanted to do that, but it wasn't really working. So Guy is just a mastermind and he put in a couple of different things and um, definitely having Kayla facilitate a little bit more at the top of the key. She's obviously a phenomenal passer. Um, that's really brought the best out in her and I think everyone else around her as well. We have such versatile players like Didi loves cutting. Um, she's really good off the dribble. Loz is good at everything. Um, <laughs> me and Paige probably prefer a bit more on balls. Um, Kayla, you know, can roll pop and facilitate, which is such a great thing to have as a five. And then those players coming off the bench know exactly their role. Like Emma Clark comes in and knocks down triples. Vanessa is just an awesome backup point guard. And, you know, she can shoot the ball really well as well. And Kira just always finds a way to um, impact the game in whatever the team needs at any given time. So um, I think it's a really exciting time to be a flame and um, seeing it all come together like we saw last week in, in last round. We just really need to reproduce that for this round. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's any time any flame or actually any Las Vegas ace. Oh, sorry, I cut. should... Sorry, I should say about Lara as well. Lara has had had the best preseason I've seen anyone have, and I know that she's going to have a massive impact on the WNBL. She's a it's really hard playing behind someone, you know, a WNBA mm. champion, but she's the ultimate teammate, and she adds something different to Kayla. She sets screens really well, um, rolls really really hard, and is really good at our on ball defense. So, um, I have no doubt that she keeps working hard. Her time is coming. Yeah, yeah, it would be impossible to back up Kayla. Um, but yeah, uh, as I was saying, the yeah, anytime you see a flame backdoor cut or an ace backdoor cut in the WNBA, Kayla's looking for it and it like breaks the other team apart every single time. And like they got to know it's coming, but like she still finds the pass and it's like, oh shit, they're in like scramble mode after that. Um, but yeah, in in the last round, you came up against Jade Melbourne and Isabel Borlase. And I have three questions about that in you know the current context of uh, Aussie basketball. What's it like as the Opals captain seeing such good young Aussie talent? What's it like as a member of the Sydney Flames coming up against them and shutting them down? And then what's the transition like for Tess Magin from being their opponent to being their teammate in the space mm -hmm. of a few days? Great questions. Um, I think, you know, when we when we match up against any team, there's obviously we the work goes into a couple of players that we really want to shut down. And so... You know, to have 19 and 20-year-olds as those players that we really want to shut down is a huge credit to them. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, when our defence is humming, we're really, like, it should be an offensive nightmare to come up against mm. us. So, um, Izzy's tough. She's just so tough. She's so controlled and strong and getting to the basket. Um, you know, she can shoot the three ball as well, and then she's also a great defender. So, um, I'm super excited for the Opals for what the future holds for her. I think, you know, she'll be a mainstay for a very, very long time to come. And then exactly the same as Jade. Um, very different, but they do kind of the same things. Like Jade loves to get to the ring. She uses her speed. She shoots a three really well. She's being a great facilitator for her cats. I'm super excited to see that coming to the, you know, to the Opals team. She's young, but she's very smart and she's a great um, floor general. And I think the WNBA really helped her mm. to have the confidence to be able to do that, tell people where to go. Um, obviously, it helped improve her offense and her defense because she's playing against the fastest, quickest, best players in the world. 
um, day in and day out. And then how you be how I become their teammate? Well, whenever an opal comes into town, I try and take them out for breakfast or a coffee. Um, so I took, especially Izzy, it's her first time representing Opal. Mm. So Izzy and I spent about an hour and a half at a cafe the night after the game. So if we lost, I'd still like to hope I would have done that. But um, <laughs> Izzy was, um, you know, when you're young, I feel like you get over things a little bit quicker. Um, mm. And then in the middle part of your career, they tend to linger a bit. And now that I'm older again, I get over things a little mm. bit quicker as well. We have a bit of a better perspective. So um yeah took her out for breakfast just talked to her tried to get to know her a little bit better so we can hit the ground running when we go to Brazil um in a couple of weeks and you know Jade I love Jade where I call her once a week checking on her um you know see if there's anything I can help I know we're opponents but you know she will be a leader of the Opals one day mm. so I mainly just check in with her about how I can help with her leadership does she need any help but she's always got everything under control um and she's just like an instant um, mood lift whenever you hang out with her. Mm. So, yeah, c- couldn't speak highly enough of both of them. Yeah, uh, in that leadership role in the context of the o- o- Opals um, and kind of what it, would, what it might mean for Jade one day, uh, how did the Opals captaincy come about for you and was it something that was um, discussed over the space of a few years or did do you feel like it happened quite quickly? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't discussed over the space of a few years. Um, when I first went into the Opals program, the, the leadership, um, I guess how the coach wanted to do the leadership um, piece has changed. Um, when I first went into the Opal squad, Carrie Graff was the coach, and then I've obviously had Brendan Joyce um, and now Sandy. So it's definitely changed. I think um, when Sandy first got the job, um, you know, Jenna was the captain and she was a, a great captain. Um, and then when Jenna... Um, stepped away um, they changed kind of the structure and they voted in a leadership group so every staff and every player had three four votes I think four three two one um, and they voted and the leadership group was decided of Seth Talbot, Sammy Whitcomb and myself um, and then right before the, uh, the World Cup in Sydney um, Sandy announced me as the captain so um for this tournament coming up that we're going to in that kind of period of time, Sammy Whitcomb was the captain um, and then Kayla George and I were co-captains for a Japanese series um, and then we did the leadership group vote and then, yeah, I got named captain, which is was a massive surprise, I suppose. Like I never wanted, I never envisioned myself being the Opals captain. Um, yeah, it's obviously... Sorry, every time I speak about this, I get a bit emotional. It's all right. We can take five if you want. That's all right. The NBA moves so quickly these days, it's hard to keep up. Shams and Woj are breaking stories left and right, but the quick timeout is right there with them to keep you informed on the latest NBA news. Stop in and let us break it down as it happens. Find the quick timeout on the Deep 2 Podcast Network. I'm very honoured and proud to be the captain of my country and... Um, it's definitely something I take very seriously. I I kind of never asked for this. Um, being a captain is a huge responsibility and, yeah, it's something I take very seriously and I'm very, um, you know, lucky to be able to do, but I've also had a lot of experiences through my time, lots of ups and downs, which have definitely helped me be able to relate with a lot of my teammates and try and get the best out of them. Um, I also couldn't do it without 
Tammy and Steph, they're great in the leadership group as well. And then, you know, being the captain of the Opals, everyone is an amazing leader in their own right mm. from mm. Um, one all the way through to 12. So it does make my job a lot easier having such great quality character people. And I think Sandy's done a really good job over her time as coach is really stamping out any bad behaviours and, um, you know, that that makes my job a lot easier. Obviously having Lauren Jackson by my side, mm. one of the past captains of the Opals, also really helped um, Trish Fallon, who um, is our team manager. We're so lucky to have her. She's been a captain as well. So I've got so many people to lean on around me and it definitely makes my job a lot easier. Mm. Um, yeah, you touched on it, but like the, like for my whole life and I'm sure for my parents' lives, the Opals have just always been stacked. And uh, yeah, there's always going to be a few players that, you know, are like quote unquote snubbed, but like it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, which is where you want to be uh, for any sport really. But um, how do you, as the captain, toe the line of competing for a spot while also knowing you are like the captain of the team? How do you, yeah, how do you navigate that? Um, well, I think, you know, I really try and, um, I mean, sometimes it's probably annoying to people, but I really try to, like, have no entitlement within the squad. So everyone is out there equally fighting for their position and we're only going to be as good as the worst person at practice. So mm. the standard needs to be really mm. high. Um, everyone should be happy that the person next to them is you know, making it really, really hard for them to make the team. Um, mm. And so that's something I really try and um, encourage and definitely something that I preach. Um, I think being a leader, you can't ask anyone to do anything that you're not willing to do. So I always try and be the hardest worker at practice, the loudest talker, um, and then off the court, really try and build those relationships up and um, use my time, you know, when we're on camps, when we're away, when teams fly in, um, to Sydney to try and catch up with people and build those genuine connections because that's really where the culture starts is people knowing that, you know, I have their back and so then they're going to have my back and then they're going to have the next person's back. So um, I love it when trainings are hard. Like, you know, the two the two people I have to train against most time at Opal's camps is Simon Wickham and Christy Wallace and they're two mm. of my greatest friends and I feel like we go at it at practice and immediately off the court. We're, we're laughing with each other. And mm. um, I think that's a sign of really good culture, uh, culture, but also really, really great quality people as well. Mm. Um, going back to getting voted in as captain, what's that feeling like knowing that like the team and the players and the staff like voted you in rather than you being selected? Yeah, it was amazing. I, I would way rather it be that way. Um, yeah, it, it really gave me the... Um, the confidence to that that they liked you know I wasn't trying to be the captain so mm, mm. um I just tried to and Sandy told me a lot just be yourself like you got voted in this for a reason um so like you don't have to change anything you don't have to go be anyone that you're not so by being by being voted like that and so transparent it really gave me the confidence to keep doing what I was doing and I didn't have to reinvent the wheel um to make a positive impact for the team mm. Um, and yeah, looking ahead to the Olympic qualifying tournament in Brazil, uh, how long will you and the the team be there ahead of time? And then like, how long will you, well, how long will you spend in Brazil, I guess? Um, the Australian contingent gets in, um, oh goodness, on the second, I think, or the night of the first. 
So mm-hmm. we have a fair bit of time before our game. There's some European plays that aren't going to be released until a little bit later, but mm. we can get the bulk of the work done um, before that. Obviously, it's not ideal how, how far we have to travel. So yeah. we've got quite a bit of work um, to do in a short amount of time before that first game hits. But, you know, this team, most of the players have played together for quite a long time. Um, and with the limited preparation time, I have no doubt that, you know, that's why the team was selected. Um, and so I'm really excited. We, we have we have not all been together since um, the World Cup and obviously mm. we came third there. So we know we have the team, the right players, the right team that we need to get the job done. And it's also really exciting to see some new players coming to the fold that can hopefully make a positive impact. Mm. That's the life of being an Aussie, like not just an Aussie basketball, but like everything is so far away. And yeah. like anytime you meet someone like, like from another country, like God, you guys are really just not on the other side of the world. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know it's the one yeah. thing we all know. Um, yeah, our our um our squad is is huge as well going into Brazil. Um, yeah, what what are you excited for for this team specifically heading heading over to Brazil? I'm ex- I'm excited always for what we can do on the court, um, and I'm excited for the, that core group of players to get back together after um, after we saw each other in Sydney. So that's what I guess I'm most excited about. But it's always such a great time playing for the Opals. Obviously, it's the best team that we could play for, and I think it really brings out the best in everyone. Um, it really does feel like a sisterhood. Like we're not making that stuff up. Um, mm. The connection you get, I think helps bring out the better, the best of you on the court as well. So that feeling that I get can't be replicated um, anywhere else, no matter how hard I try. And I think that's what I'm most looking forward to is, is getting back to work, um, achieving what we, what we need to achieve. You know, we need to win hopefully all three games, but we definitely need to qualify for the Olympics. So that would be the main target. Um, we, we've already started our work. Like we've started scouting as players, watching the other teams, um, you commented on the team that we're taking is quite tall. So Brazil are, are massive. Germany are really tall across the whole starting five. Um, so, yeah, I think with that in mind, we have we have the right team to go and get the job done. Mm. Um, and you touched on it about being a genuine connection throughout the whole team. That is definitely the case. I got to cover the World Cup in 2022 and that that you just that feeling was just in the arena and you brought everyone along for the ride and yeah it was it was yeah it was like that yeah there was a genuine connection not just from the players but like to the fans and like i don't know i i feel like i don't know it's hard to make that and and you guys just killed it with doing that and yeah even the matildas last year like that's i think that's the most i've ever seen australia come together for anything and i was away for most of it but then i flew back in the middle of August and I was like, I landed and everything was like people going crazy for the Matildas. And I was like, damn, I know I was like, you know, traveling Europe and having the you know best summer of my life. I was like dying in the Melbourne winter, but yeah. I came back and I was like, am I, am I, am I missing out? Yeah. When I, I went to a couple of Matildas games and I said to my partner, like the feeling in the stadium, like you could feel it, how, Everyone was just, I thought that, you could feel how everyone was just like so about it. You could tell the players just loved each other. And he said, yeah, that's what it was like for you guys at the World Cup as well. So, I mean, that's probably what I'm most proud of as a captain is um, 
we want to make we what we need we knew we had a huge responsibility having a home world cup to leave basketball in a better way than um it was before and i think the amount of um support we had in WNBL straight after that the amount of mm. support that we've had since um really shows you know the positive impact we were able to have and being the captain of that team um is probably what no matter what, the the gold sorry the rose gold medal was um something good to keep but and a good memento of what we did but um even if we you know came fourth or fifth and we were still able to achieve that I would have still been so proud of the team yeah for sure um I have to ask because I had to say I had I I interviewed Kayla before the season started uh (laughs) and anytime I get to talk to an Opal I need to ask about that China game I'm sorry I'm sorry that I bring it up but that was like that was electric. I've never felt, uh, I've never felt like that. And I was like part of the media, so I was trying not to be a fan, but I couldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. And the the atmosphere the China fans brought was like crazy. They were like screaming everything at the top of their lungs. How I guess even not just as a player, but as as a captain, trying to keep your team like steady in that environment. What are I get? What are the biggest challenges in 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 that specific environment? Um, I think as a basketballer, like we obviously call plays every time down the court. So um, we knew we knew going into that game that we would feel like um, the away team. So <laughs> yeah. we we knew that um, the coaches did a really good job of putting all those play calls in. Um, I don't think the crowd or the atmosphere was why we lost the game. Yeah, um, we obviously can learn a lot from that and. Um, we just need to keep our composure a little bit better in those last two minutes. We set ourselves up so well to win the game and then um, we just weren't able to capitalise on it. So we'll we'll learn a lot and hopefully be better for it, but you couldn't ask for anything better than to play in an atmosphere like that. It was similar to um, playing in the 2018 World Cup. We had to play um, Spain. It was their home nation and it was in the semi-final, so the exact same game, and it was so loud in there, mm. sixteen thousand people, but there was hardly any Aussie fans, so we had yeah. no cheering or anything. So it was similar to that. Obviously, better to do it in your own country, mm. but um, yeah, they're the they're the two most memorable games um, in terms of atmosphere, crowd. It just makes your adrenaline pump. Like mm. no matter if how much. Work you do as psychologists, how much mindfulness training you do. So you can only really learn from the situations once you're in them. And I have no doubt that the team will be better off for for kind of letting it slip in those last two minutes. Mm, yeah. Uh, it also doesn't help when Han Shu doesn't miss and, like, you can't get yeah. to her shot uh, even when she's having, you know, a bad shooting night, which we didn't get to see. Oh, shit, now I've lost my place. Han Shu. The Opals. Uh-oh, this is bad. <laughs> this episode of The Deep 2 is presented by Gelateria Bico, the official gelato of The Deep 2. Gelateria Bico, handmade gelato in the heart of Brunswick. You've touched on Brazil and Germany, uh, and I got to cover Germany in uh, Slovenia at the Eurobasket. And I really like what they're building. They definitely don't have the experience um, that we have, but they really, they give themselves a good shot to win every game. Um, And I also got to see Serbia and Mm -hmm. Serbia at their very best is like, 
God, they just get under your skin and they just mess up the game and they junk it up and they make it hell. And like the worse it gets, the better it is for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, moving into our group, uh, yeah, which country country has your antenna up the most? Um, I think that first game, you've always got to be super cautious of the first game. Um, it's really all I'm focused on right now because it's the first game coming up. Um, mm. And I feel like everyone kind of feels that way. They're, it's their home nation as well, so they're going to be up and about. Brazilians are so passionate as well. Like they fist pump after everything. Mm. Um, so we really need to come in there and quiet the crowd, uh, reverse that momentum super quickly um and then they're really tall so they play a lot of zone I don't think they're going to be able to defend us very well so they're going to have to play a lot of zone um so we need to put in some obviously get stops on defense and so we can run out and so they can't set up their zone but um you know we've got so many great shooters in our squad on our team that I've no doubt we will be okay we just need to keep our composure um and then we have a day off and then we play Germany who kind of like you, like we've played Serbia so many times recently. Um, I've never played Germany representing mm. the Opals. So they're an up-and-coming team. Um, they've obviously got the Sarbali sisters. Satu is one of the best players in the world. She's so versatile. Um, and then they've got Nayara, who Ezzy plays with at the moment um, for Prague. But then they've also got um, Firebeek, who uh, was out in Australia a couple of years ago. So people are like, probably a little bit more familiar with her, but she played in the NBL one on the West and she was the MVP of the um, national championship and her team won it. And she was obviously a massive part of that. So, you know, her and Sabali can be their two threes and they're, they're tall. Mm. Um, so they're very offensive loaded, but again, I have no doubt we can um, really utilize our strengths on the, on our offensive end and capitalize on their defense. Mm, and even their depth pieces like Emily Bessois, who's unfortunately injured, uh, and Lena Sontag, who's I think still 19. Um, I got to see them at the Eurobasket and they just like, I think both 6'3 or 6'4 and like comfortable playing the two. Sometimes Bessois yeah. would bring the ball up. Sometimes Sontag would bring the ball up actually. But yeah, yeah. they're just like all around players. Um, and... like that real, they've got that real modern basketball mm. positionless kind of vibes going on, which is always hard to play against, but huge credit to obviously what they're doing um, in Germany with basketball, that they've got such these tall, skillful, talented players coming through. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> going back to the Opals and becoming, going from being someone's opponent to someone's teammate, this is something that I, when I lost my place before, this is what I was, this is the question I was trying to come back to. But uh Lauren Jackson, I feel like she's coming back into her form. Um, the past three games, she's been really good. She was like so solid against Melbourne yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, in the bronze medal match at the World Cup, having 30, like, <laughs> what the hell, man? Like, that's perfect. What a, like, what an awesome uh, conclusion to that story for the Opals and then also for her. Um, yeah, what, what's it? what's it like to play with, Lauren Jackson, who spent three or four years, you know, retired. And now she's back representing the Opals. Yeah, it's incredible. I think she definitely adds an element to practice, to the games. She's obviously, I reckon, probably undisputedly the fiercest or top five fiercest 
women's basketball that we've ever had in this country, probably basketball in general. So um, she's fierce, she's tough, she's competitive, um, she takes no prisoners and she's she's the best basketball we've ever produced. So um, playing alongside her, having her support, it really does make my job a lot easier. Um, mm. It just elevates the competitive nature of everyone when you have someone like that around you. Um, we were scouting her today and guy was like, well, she's been making this shot on people for 30 years. So mm. it's incredible how her career has had such longevity. She's had some horrendous injuries, obviously, mm. Just even what she had to go through um, this past off season, and you can see her coming back to her best now. But that you know, an Achilles rupture and a broken foot on two opposite limbs is like horrendous. So mm. just that in itself shows the tough mindset she has and how she's willing to, um, and she can go through anything and come out better for it on the other mm. side. So I can't play wait to play with her again. Growing up. Um, she was obviously one of my idols, many people in the teams, and to be able to watch your idol growing up and then be able to stand alongside them, um, singing the national anthem for your country mm-hmm. is indescribable. Yeah, yeah, what an awesome experience. And she like her return is really I feel like I feel like I can imagine her playing until she's 50. <laughs> like I can imagine <laughs> yeah. her playing in this role in this like this specific way. And when we, you know, when we pack, you know, Kayla. Uh, Tolo, Alana Smith, uh, I'm missing. Ezzy. Oh, Ezzy. Yeah. Uh, and LJ, like, yeah, I feel like that there's so much depth there that you can just pick, pick them each for each matchup and play them for 20 minutes a night. If you need five minutes, if you just need them for a five minute stretch and yeah, that variability on the inside is such, such a strength. Cause like the yeah. overlapping skill sets they have complement any, like starting uh, oh, any five player rotation, but then like Tolo's physicality, Kayla's mid range and like da- how dynamic she is offensively as he, you know, is on her way to being the best defender in the world. LJ for yeah. the experience and just putting it all together and the phys- physicality. And then Alana Smith moves like a guard, like what the heck, like p- players aren't just made like that. You need like, that's, that's, there's, there's like that little something else that she has. Um, 100%. So yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess in this fantasy that LJ can realistically make it to 50 and the rest of the team can bring her along. Yeah, I mean, what she's been able to achieve, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past her. She's shown mm. that she can really do anything. Um, and, yeah, I, I have no doubt that there'll be a game in these three games that she really needs to step up and bring everyone along with her. And um, as a guard, being able to play with five you know, and then we also have Sarah Blitzer, who if we really need, she can go into the into the floor as well. So mm. having being a guard and having those bigs around you makes your life so much easier. And then, yeah. you know, even the depth chart for the Opals, we have Zatina Acuso as well, mm. Darcy Garvin, Lauren Scherf, um, Chloe Bibby, who's a bit more of a tweener. So, you know, it's it's very positive and it, it does make it hard for the selectors. But like I said before, um, you're only really as good as as the worst person at practice, really. Mm. So it's such a good um, problem to have. Yeah. Um, also, as you said before, sorry, I'm jumping around all over the place, but you said coming up against Brazil that um, they weren't going to want to guard us, not in not in as many words, but uh, <laughs> they, they wanted to play zone. 
you know, that would be their potentially their defensive strategy. In terms of going into a game like that where you feel like you have the advantage offensively, how much of that um, game plan and like leadership is empowering the players to, you know, trust in their own game and know that like you're going to make them have to guard you? And how much of that is like schematic? Like how much are you trying to play on people like and like empower them and how much is it like actual X's and O's? Yeah, really good question. I think Sandy does a really good job of empowering people, putting people in positions that are their strengths. And um, so then, you know, as leaders, all we really have to do is back up her message. Um, she's already all over asking, you know, what actions look good for certain players. Um, and I love thinking about basketball like that. Like that's one of my strengths is my IQ. So I love that side of it. Um, and I think that does help me be the best leader I can be is having that kind of knowledge and um, knowing where people thrive um, and trying to not put them in places where they don't like or where they don't thrive. So um, I'm just thinking they're going to do a lot of zone because that's what they they did in the Americas um, when mm. they couldn't guard people. So I hope they come out in man and we absolutely smack it. Um, <laughs> no one really loves playing against the zone for 40 minutes, but Whatever they throw at us, um, we have the right, like you said before, with the with the posts, we have that with our guards too. Like everyone brings mm. something different. Everyone has their strengths. Um, and so when any five combinations on the court at once, I feel like we really have everything covered. Um, and that's what makes us such a hard team to play against is we pride ourselves on our defence and we're only able to do that, you know, if all five people mm. on the court have bought in and then we can rotate quickly when people get tired. So it really is a team effort and it's really when you're playing for Australia, much more than when you're playing in WNBL or, you know, in the WNBA, you have a role to play and you're there to play that mm. role to the absolute best of your ability. And it's why when you go play for the Opal, some people can really make it and some people struggle a little bit more, but you just have to buy into that role a hundred percent. And not everyone can do it. And it is really hard, but the people that have, you know, those careers of longevity within Opals, um, I think do that very well. Um, mm. They know what the coach wants. They know what their role is. They don't try and play outside of their box. Um, Fever basketball is so physical. So, like, mm. the fouls I'm always complaining for in WNBL, there's no way they're getting those <laughs> in Fever. Um, I remember in the China game, like, I literally got decked. Like, I got tackled to the ground, play on. So it's a whole nother level um, of toughness, of strength, and and in your brain as well. Like you have to be super strong, super tough, back yourself 100% and then know that if you're having a bad night, the teammate next to you on the bench is is going to have a rip, rip, ripper or a rip snorter, mm. as Kayla would say. So it really does take 12 people to um, have a positive impact in FIBA and get the results that you need. Yeah, uh, and uh, you touched on it, but I feel like, the commonality of Australian basketball as like, as long as I can remember in any game, any competition, any age group is just like being as annoying as possible defensively. And, you know, not that the offense is an afterthought, but that's yeah, yeah. Everything comes from, yeah. Being stingy defensively and just making life difficult for the other team. And then you also talked about that empowerment on an individual level and to bring it back to the flames. Uh, I feel like that's also been, um, something that's been evident in your games lately. I think especially you, Paige Bradley and DD is like, anytime there's only one player in front of you, it's like, 
how dare you only put one person <laughs> in front of me and the rest of the team is like go just get get us the bucket we'll get into our offense next possession down um yeah and yeah when you get back from brazil you have two games remaining in the season plus this game on thursday against uh south side uh how are you feeling about the run home after such a roller coaster of a season Great question. I'm just going to touch on Paige for a second there. I think she's been instrumental in, uh, you know, past month, how good we're playing. She's really found her feet in the WNBL. Um, she's always more than capable of having this kind of impact. And mm. I'm just so proud of her, of how she's stuck at it and the work she's put in to, you know, lead our team and play, we like to call it Flames Way. So, um, yeah, she's been massive. She's shooting the ball with confidence, she's driving to the basket, she's facilitating perfectly. So um, I love playing with her. I was on limited minutes for um, a little while and, like, I was rotating in as point guard or 2-3 um, and I was like, just please let Paige, <laughs> let Paige <laughs> and Vanessa handle the point and let me find my feet a little bit. Mm. So, um, yeah, I absolutely love playing with her. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, after the fever break, I think um, – well, we have to win this game going into the fever break or we've made life very, mm. very hard for ourselves and we can only really make playoffs if we win the two coming out. So um, ideally we'd like to win all three, um, but um, I just really hope we can go in with a big win. Uh, so, you know, obviously Kayla and I and Guy are going away. Guy will be coaching the New Zealand national team, but having those having the win on Thursday night will be a lot nicer for the girls that are staying behind our practice, I think. Um, just mentally, um, it's always hard to train for two weeks. It's like a mini preseason during mm. the season. Uh, but if we can set ourselves nicely up on Thursday, I think this little break going into playoffs will be awesome for us. Yeah, awesome. Um, and, yeah, just finally, what are what lessons do you feel like the Flames have learned throughout the season and how do you yourself feel like you've grown as a basketball player? Oh, great question. Thank you. Thank um, you. I think, you know, it's been up and down with um, first my right knee, then my left knee. Mm. And so I've just it's been really mentally challenging to stay positive um, and try and get myself out on the court, you know, every week and then being knocked back saying, no, you can't go this week. Let's try next game. Um, so I definitely feel like I've grown a lot mentally and like, if not, if a situation arose like this um, in Brazil or in the playoffs, I know I can play now. I can play no how, no matter how bad my body's feeling, I'm good to go. Um, I can still produce um, at both ends of the floor. So that's been a massive positive for me. Um, I think a lot of the time I do doubt myself. So just being like, no, nah, I'm good to go. I can do mm. this um, is is great. And it's a really great feeling to have. Um, and I think, you know, Guy's skill work that he does with everyone, you would be, um, I guess, not paying attention or not rocking up to practice, but everyone just grows as a player under his coaching. Um, he really prioritises skill development to put you in the best situations you can be on offence. And so... We've seen just the development of our whole team's pick and roll game um, over the course of the season. We make really good reads now. We can score the person with the ball no matter what defence is doing. Um, and he really gives us the confidence to be able to do that. So I feel like that part of my game's grown. Um, and then, yeah, just my handle with the ball. Um, I, I've said it before, but I wouldn't keep playing basketball if I didn't think I could get better. Um, mm. Once I feel like I've, you know, reached 
my plateau I'll, I'll retire so I'm really glad to be able to reconnect with Guy this season and keep improving my game um he's the best skills coach I've ever had so and then the way he crafts that on offense and defense is is unmatched so um I feel like probably my improvements over the season have probably been the same as the teams like that pick and roll game um how much better we are at defense now um and being able to train against Laura Nicholson every day at practice can only make you a better player at both ends of the floor. So that's also helped me a lot as well. I think it's I think she's shooting like 35 or 6 percent from three this season, which has to be a lie. Or like I'm blinking on 64% of her three-point <laughs> attempts. Because that, that, that can't be true. She hasn't missed many, has she? That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, there was one game we were in Melbourne and Guy was like, Loz you're our best shooter, shoot the ball. Mm. Um, and then she, it was a game where she made like six of eight threes or something after halftime. Mm. So um, I think the way he's able to get the best out of everyone. Um, and yeah, she's just having a phenomenal season. She can obviously shoot outside. She, she's a phenomenal driver. And then her pull-up game is tough too. And then she does so much work for us on defense. She often has the um, the best matchup from the other team and is consistently shutting them down. So mm. her workload, like she has had to play 40 minutes multiple times and really being clutch at the end of the game. She's super fit. She's a lovely teammate. Um, yeah, I obviously super stoked to be able to play with her this season and she's definitely someone you'd way rather have on your team than not have on your team. And mm. usually people say that about those, you know, blue collar hard workers, but no, I'd way rather not have to guard her yeah. and have yeah. her guard me when I play against her. So um, being able to play against her at practice though has definitely improved my game for sure. Yeah. That, that, that game in Melbourne, your, the flames came out in the second half and just, oh, even in the first half, I think you shooting 50% from three or something. Yeah. And Emma Clark had a, and yeah. Clark had a phenomenal night as well. Yeah, I think she replaced Didi as uh in the lineup coming into the second half because I think Didi had three fouls. Um, and I remember after the game, Chris Lucas said that he was happy because Kayla had like one made basket or something, and he was like, "We did the job on Kayla," and I was like, "I think they did a pretty good job of you guys keying in on Kayla <laughs> and just yeah, kicking it out the shoes." Kayla facilitated at the top of the key that whole game and mm. she had a lot of assists. So yeah, I think that on our team, if they're not contributing points on the scoreboard, they're doing something else to contribute, um, whether that's rebounding, steals, assists. Mm. And we know that on any given night, it could be anyone's night and we're mm. happy for each other to succeed. So I think that's really come a, a long way in our game as well. But like I said, right at the start of the podcast, I really think it is our defense and then that confidence mm. in each other and that guy has in us um, on offense has come together really well at the right end of the season. Mm. Tess, thank you so much for your time. That was such a good episode. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome, Lucas. Thank you for having me. And thank you for everything you do for us. We appreciate it. Oh, stop. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Thank you.